you know, whether in the back of my head, I'm saying to myself, you've made 95, come on already. You think you're gonna make 96? Do you think you can make 96? And I say to myself, well, if I made 95, maybe I can make 96. What do you look forward to the most when you think about living? Well, I, first of all, I want to see Trump get beat, period. This is Margaret Pothig, and that was my dad, Richard. Seven years ago, in May 2013, I was sitting next to my dad in the Franklin Field bleachers at the University of Pennsylvania with thousands of other people to witness the graduation ceremony of my nephew, Luke. It was cold and windy, but the sun was breaking through the light white clouds, and we had a great view of the faculty procession in which my brother Scott and sister-in-law Maya marched. Joe Biden, Vice President of the United States at that time, gave the commencement address that year. Thank you so much, friends. Thank you very much. Thank you all. The last time I was in Franklin Field, I was watching my oldest son before a crowd of hundreds (laughs) play lightweight football against Harvard, and I believe won. And as I was saying to my Biden was also receiving an honorary degree from Penn. This is a much cheaper way to get a degree, isn't it? What a light mood we were in. Biden's commencement speech described the many advances taking place in society at that time and the important issues upon which the graduating class would make their mark. I recommend reading the speech. You can find a link to it in the notes to this podcast. Honestly, it gave me chills. As I listen to this recording, I can't help thinking that Joe, like the rest of us in those bleachers, is totally unaware of what's to come. For Biden personally, the death of his oldest son, Beau, just two years later, followed by the election of Donald Trump and all the pain that has wrought for this nation and the world, now the coronavirus pandemic and almost 240,000 dead in the United States alone. When I started working on this episode, it was two days before the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Joe Biden is on the ballot. Donald Trump is doing everything in his power to sow chaos, and the GOP is working overtime to suppress votes. In this current moment, Biden feels like our last hope to preserve our democracy. Here we are, we're sitting in the midst of a park, in the midst of the city of Philadelphia, which was the foundation of this country. I mean, it overwhelms me all the time when I think about the fact that we are in the heart, (laughs) in the heart of a country that was started here. And we were in front of the Franklin Institute where good old Ben. Right, a couple of blocks down the street is Independence Hall. That's my brother Scott. Seven years ago, we couldn't have anticipated the changes to come in our own family. Our father outliving our mother, followed by brain trauma that put dad in rehab for a month and forced us to move him from his home in Chicago to Philadelphia where Scott and his wife Maya live. Thanks to Scott, 
and the history of this city, Dad feels right at home. Presbyterianism really was founded here. Oh, that's true. The only person to sign the Declaration of Independence was a clergyman was John Witherspoon. For me to re return, it's a whole movement toward finding my religious roots, but also to be in touch with the history of this place. So this is something interesting, you know, because Trump said in the debate, bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. U.S. Constitution, the, you know, the, the Liberty Bell. <laughs> the literal meaning of the name Philadelphia in Greek is the city of brotherly love. And that's literally true for our family. Scott has lived and worked here for 35 years, and we've enjoyed the hospitality of Scott and Maya thousands of times. For the last two years, they've tended to Dad's every need. I came up to Philadelphia a few weeks ago when Dad's health took a sudden bad turn because his kidneys are failing him. But that's a topic for another episode. Let's get back to the election. It's 7.30 in the morning on November 4th. The Electoral College, how many more does Joe need? Hold on, I'm just looking it up here. Uh, did you just wake up? You just, no, I've been awake since 3 o'clock this morning, just thinking about this. You've been awake since 3? Yes, I have, yeah. So Biden has 224. It takes 270, right? Right. The deal is that they still don't know about Michigan or Wisconsin uh, or Pennsylvania or North Carolina or Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. How about Maine? We want to win that Senate seat. I don't know, Doug. Right now, they're not predicting that we're going to win the Senate. Oh, no, 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 no. The House is probably overwhelmingly Democratic. Oh, the House is 190 to 181. The, the Republicans have, have won some seats from the Democrats. Oh, my golly. How could that be? That is the question on the minds of millions of Americans. My dad goes on to describe what he sees as the crucial difference between Biden and Trump. It'll happen not because Biden decided to choose himself to do the work. He chose teams to do the work. All kinds of teams to advise him, not for him to make the decisions. Well, his other character is a true true follower of authoritarianism. Anybody got in the way, he just brushed them aside. No teams, no teams. We're a team operating country. We work with people giving information into other people and, and sharing that information and building on it and, and developing it. So it's a difference between whether we have a democracy in this country but whether we're moving toward an authoritarian form of government, it bothers me. That's what made me weep. Okay, so that was Wednesday. Then days of waiting and watching. And then Saturday arrived. Biden beats Trump. When Pennsylvania's 20 electoral college votes were added to the Biden column, the media outlets called Biden the winner of the presidential election. We took Dad out to the streets in Scott's car with helicopters flying overhead. It's okay, you're wearing a Biden mask. We'll let you go. 
Everybody's jumping for joy today. All these happy people in Philadelphia. 90% of Philadelphia is happy. That's right. <laughs> That's true. This is City Hall down here. You can see all the cop cars, so I guess they're... they're this and probably, there's William this, Penn. There's probably some sort of rally down there. Well, we're out today in Philly because they declared Joe Biden and Kamala Harris the presidential team for this next period. And Trump is playing golf and he's unhappy. <laughs> That's what I've been waiting for for years. And then I expect, I didn't expect to survive four years sure. of Trump. That's why you survived, because <laughs> you were hanging on. <laughs> you were hanging on for dear life to the hope that you would be able to see a, a new to day, a new day. To the hope, to the hope, to the hope. I'm relieved, of course. But not surprisingly, Trump refuses to concede, and even if or when he does, I'm probably still not going to feel that great. Honestly, I just wish I could reclaim that feeling we had sitting in the bleachers in Franklin Field. A couple of observations. No graduating class gets to choose the world into which they graduate. Every class enters a history that up to this point has been written for you. But few, few enter at a point where they genuinely have a chance to write a new chapter, to bend history just a little bit. <laughs>